With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's play. Let's play. Welcome to the next edition of the world famous Chicky Jaguar radio program here on AMFM247.com. Tune in iTunes and of course iHeartRadio today. We have got a great guest joining us on the telephone and we are going to go to them right now. Go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, my friend. Tell us a little about yourself. Hey, James. My name is Vernon Ennos. I'm a motivational speaker and the author of my first book entitled There's Something a Son Needs to Tell You. I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and I currently reside in Arizona. Um, I was excited to release my first book to speak about sexual abuse, trauma, masculinities, and secrecies in the church in the month of May. And so far, I've been on tour promoting that book, and it's been definitely an awesome experience as I am sharing my story and also listening to people's stories, too, that have similar situations that happened to them when they was a child. Vernon Ennels is with us today. There's something your son needs to tell you is the latest from him, and he joins us today here on our big broadcast. Now, um, why did you decide to write this book? Well, I started the book five years ago, and I wound up shredding my manuscript because I didn't want to hurt my family or people or just really deal with the situation that I was facing. So about November of last year, I started writing the book again because when this trauma happened to me, I was six years old, and at the time, my son was six. So every time I would see him, I was reminded about how vulnerable he is, which means I was vulnerable at the same age and clueless to a lot of things that was going on in the world, and I found there was this time for me to take the time to speak about my journey while I'm healing through the process but I also had the mindset of trying to help other people that face similar situations but maybe were scared to talk about it, especially from a man's point of view, and just wanted to hide um, the hurt and the pain that I was going through. So decided to write the story, and at that point, I never shared it with my family. It was 30-something years. I never shared it with my family, so I wanted to open up and share my, my, my journey with my family as well. We have got a great guest with us today. Uh, Vernon Ennels joining us today here on a broadcast. There's something your son needs to tell you. is the latest from him. Now, um, tell me about the writing process for this book. Take me through that. Well, it was very difficult because when you begin to share your story, and your story is so open and candid as my, my story, um, I felt myself like erasing and tearing up paper and, didn't want to deal with certain things, so I got to the point where I decided to record my book as a video, and um, and just was open and honest, and then I took that video and transcribed it into writing um, the book, and then that's how I moved forward with the book. That was the only way that I was able to get through the story without changing um, the narrative of the story, because certain pains I didn't want to deal with, but I realized I had to face them on. 
We've got a great guest with us today, Vernon Ennels Jr. with us today in our broadcast. There's something your son needs to tell you is the latest from him. Give us a thumbnail sketch of the book and a closer look at the book itself. So I began speaking to the book. It's like more of a open letter that I'm writing to my son. So I began to speak to him about my journey and telling him where my mind was at at the age of six, um, where my mind was the age during the teenage years, adult years, it's even through the concept of me being married to um, his mom. So in chapter four, a part of the book, I begin to speak about how my father was absent for my, my, my life at that point while he was in and out, and how that affected me as a young man growing up of not having my father in my life, but still I had to make a determination that I wanted the best out of life myself. I also speak about therapy, the importance of therapy, getting some help. And um, then I also talk about the book about church. Um, even though I, I enjoy going to church and I'm a believer, in the book I discuss how I had to divorce church and fall in love with God myself because during church, um, I was seeing a lot of things that was behind the scenes that was not right. But I felt like if they kept their mask on and their secrets on, then I kept my mask and my secrets on. But I realized that was not therapeutic. It was not helping me to heal and get through the process. I even have chapter 10 in a book where I have open letters where I have several men um, begin to share their stories and, and to discuss their experience with sexual abuse and trauma. Um, the book is really raw. It, it, it's available for or readable for all ages. But I really want the reader to read it and not only hear about the situation that I was going through or been through, but I wanted them to also read the book and have a clear understanding that it could happen to anyone, any kid, at any time, and we need to bring awareness to this issue. We've got a great guest with us today. Vernon Ennels joins us here on a broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border on iHeartRadio and also AMFM247.com. His latest is, there's something your son needs to tell you. He's with us today here on our telephone. Now, uh, what elements uh, and, and kind of reactions and feedback and criticism have you gotten to the book so far? Well, I was not expecting the feedback that that I'm experiencing. Um, I, I, was, I thought I would write the book, share my story, and in the process of sharing my story, it's like, okay, everybody would read it and, and be blessed by it, and, and let's start this Save Out Sons movement and try to help other people. I was not expecting to really hear other people's stories. And in the process of hearing other people's stories, I am blown away of the stories that people are beginning to share. I had one lady come up to me about a month ago. I was on tour, and she's like, um, She's like, I just want to thank you so much of sharing this story with me. She said, I'm going to share this with you. She said, I'm 77 years old, and this happened to me as a child, and I never told my parents. And she said, that's something I was dealing with for years because my parents died, and I never told them. She said, but after hearing your story and, and sharing, your, sharing your story, I began to tell my kids and my grandkids what happened to me. So this won't happen to another member of my family. So when you hear stories like that, it's life-changing. Because I believe that this book is able to give voices to the voiceless and give those voices back to people where I'm not a celebrity, I'm not famous, and all the things. It's just a simple average person sharing their story, trying to help as many people as possible. And I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by the responses that I've been receiving. 
We have got a great guest with us today here on our big broadcast and uh, coast to coast, border to border, a fantastic book here. Now give us the profile of the typical reader who's going to love your book. Well, the, the typical profile is, in one thing, when the book is not groomy or, or it's not sad or whatever, it, 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 it puts you in the right mindset. But I have a friend of mine who's actually a screenwriter. So in the process of writing the book, I sat down with her and we began to talk. So I wanted to write this book where somebody would sit down and read it. It's not long. It's about 140 pages. I just want somebody to sit down in one setting and to read it and to open their eyes up. It's, it's not just about focusing on sexual abuse. It's not just focusing on church. It's, it's focused on the average family that at times we walk around, we hear this saying, what goes on in this house, stay in this house, or secrets, you know, don't share this, whatever. And it's time to unleash those secrets and, and stop hiding behind our mask and just have a, a, a healthy mindset to realize that our children are our future and we got to make sure that we protect them and guide them in the path that they should be going down. And as they get older, they'll make the decision on themselves of what they want to do. So this book is a, is a friendly book. I have a, a preparatory school that's in Arizona and the school actually bought copies of my book because they want to share it with their students of their book. They want to it at school and put it in the library. So it's open for all ages, and I pray it will be a blessing to those who read it. Fantastic. Well, uh, before we let you go, how do we find you online, pick up your book, everything else, my friend? Well, the book is available on Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, and then also it's available on my website, um, which is Vernon, N-O-S, V-E-R-N-O-N, and then my last name, E as in Edward, N-N-E-L-S, dot com. I'm available on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They can find me there. Um, and also it's on Zuline Press um, if you want to get it from there. And it's also available in some Christian bookstore, but it's limited uh, where the hard copies is. So if, if you can't find it, go to our website and we'll point you to the right direction. Fantastic. Well, before we let you go, what's next for you as an author? Well, I am in a process of working on a movie. It's not necessarily mine, but... It's a movie of an individual that I know, and we're in a work for that now. Um, if somebody decides to write a movie about my book, I, I'll entertain it. But um, my book is being worked now, being placed on audio, so people can hear it as well as, as reading it. And I am just traveling, trying to continue to start this movement. Hashtag Save Our Sons, trying to save one person at a time so this tragedy won't happen to another individual. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. This is a... Uh very important book. You've put a lot of time and effort into this, and uh, I appreciate you making time for us today to be on the big broadcast to talk to us about it, my friend. Thank you, and I thank you for the opportunity, and I thank the listeners for listening, and look forward to great things happening, too, with your broadcast. Definitely, definitely, and uh, you keep up the good work, my friend, and uh, keep us updated on everything that you're involved in. Have yourself a wonderful day, my man. Great. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. There he goes, Vernon Hills. And uh, we've got more coming back here on our iHeartRadio AMFM 24-7 presentation. Let's play. Let's play.
Attention type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-7607. That's 800-475-7607. Again, 800-475-7607. Call now. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS and you cannot afford to make payments to the IRS, you may qualify for the CNC tax program. This is a new program, and if you qualify, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Once you're accepted into this program, the IRS is forced to stop all harassing collection activities. No threatening phone calls, no wage garnishments, no bank levies, and no more monthly payments to the IRS. Get ready to write this number down. It's the most important number you'll ever need to end your IRS tax nightmare. Call Paramount Tax Relief at 800-549-6183 for a free confidential consultation to find out if you qualify for the CNC tax program. Once you are accepted into the CNC tax program, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Call Paramount Tax Relief now at 800-549-6183. That's 800-549-6183. Again, 800-549-6183. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-378-8005 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-378-8005. That's 800-378-8005. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Attention type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other 
inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-7607. That's 800-475-7607. Again, 800-475-7607. Call now. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. We have got a fantastic guest joining us today here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. We go to the telephones, and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, my friend. Well, uh, hello, America. This is Phil Lanzon from Uriah Heap, and um, I'm speaking to you from sunny England, although, you know, the evening's approaching, and my view of the sea is pretty good from where I'm sitting. So I'm all, you know, cozy and ready. Fantastic. Now, uh, you have got a fabulous, fabulous book out there. Let's talk a little bit about this book, because you've put a lot of time and effort into this thing. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so uh, let's put it this way. I started working on the book a long time ago, many years ago, and it was a bit of a fantasy story. Uh, A little bit out there, a bit Alice in Wonderland, and eventually I decided not to go down that route. And I brought it into a different type of uh, magical realism world, um, where the main character Ellen discovers she can see uh, as well as hear music, and um, it comes to fruition during the story. And she feels that this power that she has is perhaps big enough to deal with bad stuff in the world. And so it's a good against evil thing. But um, and that's it. And, and Behind the whole story was uh, the feeling to uh, to empower children, um, to give them this extra thing where they actually speak and the adults listen and stuff like that. So <laughs> that, that runs through the Fantastic. story, but I won't spoil the ending for you. you you're going to have to read it. <laughs> we have got a great guest joining us today here on the telephone. Phil Lanzan with us today. He, of course, is the keyboardist for British rock group Uriah Heep. And uh, since 1986, he's worked as a, a session musician and sideman with uh, all sorts of different folks. And uh, tell me a little bit about this book. Why, why did you decide to write this incredible book, my friend? It's <sighs> a very good question. Why does anyone write anything? I, um, I don't know. Um, let me see. It's uh, when you have something. It's like writing a song. Uh, if you have something in your head and it's nagging you all the time, you eventually got to do something about it. And being a, a kind of a creative kind of a person, I, I did the same with the book, and um, it, it stuck with me for many years while I was going through all the different drafts. Because as you know, you've got to go through lots of different drafts to hold it down to make it swing well to make the chapters work together and the story roll as a whole unit yes and that took some time believe me and i had to help uh, get a lot of help from people who were readers uh to help me out making sure the story was gelling right but it was a bug that i had that i wanted to get this story down about the kid uses her power to end evil and it comes from a kid not from an adult that was the important thing that's fantastic. That is a great message, my friend. Now, um, what do you want readers to take away from your writing of this great book? What do I want readers to take away from my writing? Uh, I tell you what I want them to do. I want, you, I want them to look into their 
what's the word for it? Uh, magical side. Um, the things that the, the things that we know can't happen in the material world. Let's make them happen in the the magical brain world, the the spiritual world. Let's make them happen there, and perhaps they will happen for real. And I think um, it's also it's a very adult book as well as being a kids book, because I originally pitched it as nine to fourteen year olds, but um, from the people that have read it now, it's it's also an, an adult read as well as a kid read. Uh, although I must say, nowadays the young kids of nine and ten probably don't read at all. They're on the screens. <laughs> yes, yes. For whatever reason, they uh, they seem to be on that, and it's 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 unfortunate. Now, uh, with this book, uh, what's been some of the different reactions uh, and feedback and everything you've gotten on the book so far? Well, they've been surprised, really, because I mean, uh, don't forget my my whole career. I've been a musician and a songwriter. Um, and certainly no one knows anything about the fact that I've been writing all these years. And so they're totally surprised and, and totally impressed completely. Um, I mean, people have said, well, the, the story is amazing. And they talk to me about the character, Ellen, and, and the father and all the little bits and pieces and the era when it's written, which is in, the, in 1958. Um, you know, I've had all these questions fired at me. And, and it's like, almost like... Um, it's almost like having an album review, but in a <laughs> in a literary kind of sense. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of similar. We have got a great guest with us today. Phil Lenzen joins us. Uriah Heap's keyboardist, and uh, he has got a fantastic new book out there. And uh, this this book, you've put a lot of time and effort into this. Um it, 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 it just is uh, fantastic. What, what, what's been the writing process like for this book? What's the writing process like? Well, yes. um, I did many drafts. Um, let me see. I couldn't even count how many drafts as it changed from one thing to another. Um, the process was really concentrating on the, the core fact of the plot, which was Ellen, the child, would go through hell and high water to reach the bad stuff. Okay, the bad stuff is, is, is the mud chalk devil. That's the title. And um, she finds a book that's ancient, connected to a little bookshop in her town, and there's little fables in the book, and these fables come out in the story. So that's how it, that's how it, that's how it sort of rolls into the story. Um, like like through these stories that she finds. And that leads her onto the fantasy world as well, uh, takes her through to a place called the Fudget Fair. And the interesting thing about that word Fudget, F-U-D-G-E-T, is many years ago on tour with Uriah Heap, uh, we were in Scandinavia, and Lee Kerslake, our drummer at the time, had bought an alarm clock, right? It's an old-fashioned thing that you wind up. Anyway, <laughs> I was sitting on the bus, we were rolling along the road, and one of the, the sound people said to Lee, that's a funny little contraption. That's a funny little gadget. <laughs> and being a spoonerist, as, as I was at the time, I turned the words funny little gadget into ganny little fudget. And I, we all had to laugh at this word, fudget. And then I immediately imagined a small, furry creature called a fudget. 
so I started writing that day at that moment. And that was 20 years ago. Wow. And it grew and grew and grew and grew into what it is now. It's pretty amazing. We have got a great guest with us today. Phil Lenzen joins us. He has got a brand new book out there. And uh, long time Uriah Heap keyboardist Phil Lanzen with us today. Now, you also have a second ever solo album coming out. Tell me a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm a very keen movie soundtrack fan. I love movie soundtracks. Um, I listen closely to movie soundtracks all the time, sometimes more so than the actual story, even though they can happen at the same time. And I like orchestral arrangements, and I like orchestra and band playing songs together. It just has a lovely sort of um, a lovely texture to it, and, and rather than using a synthesizer, and you know, so I had a bunch of songs that I had left over, and I wanted to work on them. And uh, I spoke to my producer, Simon, and my arranger, Richard Cottle, and we got together with the new songs, and we created album number two, and that's what you hear now, 48 Seconds. But the important thing to remember is 48 Seconds, the title track, is related totally to the 1906 earthquake of San Francisco, the big fire for three days. And... um, I had that idea for many years, but it never came to fruition. I tried to write a song about the event, but it never worked out the way I wanted it until recently. And then suddenly the music dropped into place and I rewrote the lyrics from the old song into the earthquake idea. We got the orchestra working on it and I wanted a nice orchestral introduction with a kid's choir at the end. Wow. And there was the song. So, uh, what was the idea behind getting the kids' choir involved? That's a cool idea. Because I, I wanted to make a statement about um, Mother Nature and and remembering that nature or nature will always always have the last word. Um, in no matter what it is that we talk about or what we do in our lives, something will come along and, or could come along, whether it be an earthquake, whether it be something else, doesn't matter. All I'm saying is beware and you know take protection because mother nature always has the last word and i wanted kids to say those words so you know from an innocent mouth comes these words or out of the mouths of babes is the quote isn't it but now, that's how the song ends and that's how the album ends uh what was the process of trying to find this this kids choir to be involved in this what, oh, what, what did was, you have to I, do i've got two so i've got two wonderful contacts in simon and richard they um they work a lot with orchestra. Oh, Richard works a lot with orchestras and choirs, and um, Simon works a lot with different session musicians. So between the two of them, well, we're able to bring together everything that was required for this record. And I'm I'm very impressed with their work because they, they are absolutely amazing people, and the, the choirs were wonderful. And I, you know, I've got no complaints at all. I just love it all. Fantastic. Phil Lanzen with us today. Uriah Heap's keyboardist is uh, back with a brand new solo album and also a brand new book. Now, um, what's been some of the different feedback you've gotten on this album so far, my friend? I've been having some amazing feedback. It's a bit like the book business I was talking to you about. I've had some great reviews from all over, particularly West Coast America and, (coughs) excuse me, 
and also all the uh, write-ups that I've had from the European and Scandinavian press and the UK press have all come forward in the last few days, in fact. Um, and it's been absolutely amazing, much like the first album, which had an equal amount of um, excellent press. And, and again, like surprise, because uh, nobody knew that I was doing stuff on my own, so <laughs> now they know. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, talk to me about some of the different folks that uh, uh, help you out on this album. Uh, the, talk to us a little bit about the recording lineup, who, who you have working with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I say, Simon Simon enlisted. Um, oh, uh, Richard Cottle's brother, Laurie, is a famous bass player um, over here and he, well, all around the continent. Um, and he, he played on both albums. He's a brilliant bass player. He's also um, a very good brass section um, arranger. And he uh, did something for me on one of the songs where I said to him, would you mind, I want to turn this verse into a big band, you know, crashing brass and blah, blah, blah. And I gave him the description. And he went away and he came back with the most amazing arrangement. And that's on the song... Um, look at the, No, not look at the time. Um... I can't see the list in front. It's on one of the songs. Um, uh, Neil, the drummer, brilliant player. He can play anything. You tell him. You tell him to do anything. He'll do it. Guitarist Adam Goldsmith. He's a rocker at heart. He, he plays in one of the West End shows in London, but he was so happy to do the session because all he wants to do is rock out on his guitar. There's some great solos on the album. Not enough, unfortunately. But uh, there you go. Singers. I've got some great singers. John Mitchell from It Bites and um, Andy Macon and a lady called Miriam Gray, all fantastic lead vocalists. And, of course, there's myself. <laughs> fantastic. We have got Phil Lanzen from Uriah Heap with us today talking about his uh, second album that he has uh, out there, second solo album, and uh, also this fabulous book. Uh, where do we go for more information? Where do we get the albums? Where do we get the book? Find you online, everything, Phil. Oh, of course. Uh, all you have to do is go to musicglue.com, M-U-S-I-C-G-L-U-E dot com. Um, put my name forward slash Phil Lanzen, and all my product is there. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, uh, I, now th- uh, actually, I, I'm, I'm yes, just, I'm just at the moment changing websites. So, uh, if you have any problem with that, it's because I'm just changing over as we speak. So, it will be musicglue.com forward slash Phil Lanzen. Now, now that the book is out, uh, what's next for you as an author? I have, I've just written the sequel. Um, I've come to the end of the first draft of the sequel. Um, so it'll take a lot more drafts to get through it because, you know, it's a, it's a book, so uh, it has to go through a long process of uh, rereading and rereading and getting readers to read it, um, you know, um, spell-checking and, and doing all the business. So it'll take a while. It'll be, it should be ready sometime next year. Amazing stuff. Well, thank you, Phil. It's been an honor and a privilege to chat with you, my friend. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thanks for being with us today, my friend. Okay, man. Well, thanks for your help. Appreciate it. There he goes. Phil Lanzen from Uriah Heap, the legendary Uriah Heap. And uh, that is that. We are going to take a time out and be back with more here on the World Famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast.
Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-835-0176 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-835-0176 now. Again, that's 800-835-0176. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Dan Perkins here for Songs and Stories for Soldiers with your veterans tip of the day. Did you know that the suicide rate for women vets is 12 times that of their sisters in civilian life? Did you know that one in four women vets feel uncomfortable about talking to people about their mental health issues? Did you know almost 600,000 women vets in America are suffering from PTSD? It's time to help. It's time for all of us to encourage our sisters, mothers, and wives to get help by contacting their local VA hospital clinic or community-based health care center. So if you know a woman vet that is suffering, go to va.gov and find their nearest VA facility. This has been Dan Perkins of Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us with your veterans tip of the day. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call a place for mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call a place for mom at 1-800-809-5785. A place for mom offers free one-on-one -on -one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-809-5785. That's 1-800-809-5785. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are coast to coast and boulder to boulder on TuneIn, iTunes, TalkShoe.com today. Lydia Dean joins us here in our broadcast. Lydia's got a fantastic new book. Lydia, talk to us a little bit about this fantastic book you've got here. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. It's called yes. uh, Jumping the Picket Fence, and um, it's sort of my journey to finding purpose and meaning in life and the twisted kind of twists and turns that you take to, that we all take to find that. Um, and it, it, it takes me around the world with my young family. And, um, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. 
We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live. Lydia Dean joins us here in the broadcast. Tell us about the uh, writing process for this incredible book. Well, it started out um, just me writing some notes in a journal at the end of the day. And, um, you know, basically I was nearing 30 years old and was, you know, sort of um, at the top of my game and should have been in a really happy place. Two kids, great job, great consulting firm, um, nice house, ticket fence, and, um, you know, was very kind of unhappy. And it was an odd moment to feel unhappy because it was what we should all kind of want uh, or, or what we aspire to, some level of security and um, nice things around us. But I was, I was very unhappy and very disconnected with what made me me and began to just write in a journal. And um, over the course of 14 years, I, I document um, our travels around the world with, with our young family and, and building a nonprofit um, that eventually uh, creates a vehicle for others to be able to connect uh, and give back to the world as well. Now, tell us about uh, the nonprofit. Well, it's called Go Philanthropic, and, you know, I always felt that that word philanthropy was, you know, not accessible to your everyday um, person who wants to, to give back and make a difference to the world, in the world. And so we have a very personal approach to philanthropy. We work with grassroots, community-based programs that... Um, are working on some some pretty ugly issues of our time, like human trafficking, child labor, um, and we work with people who who are not looking for handouts, but who have found um, solutions to their own programs or to their own problems in their communities, and we partner with them, and in doing so, try to provide a, a bigger platform for them to have a voice, and we invite invite people to the to their doorsteps and and um, facilitate trips so that people can actually hear about the great work that they're doing and, and become involved that way. Um, so it's a, it's a different form of, of sort of untraditional philanthropy that's not about just writing a check, but about um, connecting on a, on a real human level and having a deeper understanding of, of what's happening in our world and, and, and the good, inspiring, courageous work that's, that's going on we just don't hear a lot about. We've got a great guest joining us today here on our big broadcast, Talk Shoe, of course, iHeartRadio today. Lydia Dean joins us, big broadcast. Now, um, you have got a fantastic book here. Uh, talk to me about what you want readers to take away from your writing. That's a great question. Um, I'll start with the name of the book, and it's Jumping the Picket Fence. And for me, it was a fence that I looked out of uh, of my, my window working from home when I was when I was younger, and I, I, I dreamt of what was on the other side of that fence. And so it, it, it represents sort of the barriers that we place between ourselves and, and um, what, what we really want out of life and a search for meaning. And that can be a scary thing to jump because we're not quite sure in the moment what, what we're being asked to sort of leave behind when we really pursue what, what has heart and meaning to ourselves. Um, so that picket fence you know, really represents what I hope the readers would get out of it. And in, in reading my story, you know, what I've, what I've heard from, from readers is that um, it makes them think about where they're at in life and maybe what, you know, what fears they might need to set aside in order to um, pursue what they have inside of them and that they're, they're, they're afraid of, of taking the risk to reach. So, um, 
I hope it inspires people to know that they can make a difference in the world, that, you know, each and every step we take in that, in that manner uh, contributes to, to a greater whole. And, yeah, hopefully just lessen that fear that we have that, um, that we, we can actually, you know, make a difference. Lydia Dean with us today. She joins us live here on a big broadcast. Now, tell us what the social media reaction has been to your book. Uh, social media, I wouldn't say, has been uh, has had the, the, the greatest impact. I think um, it's the kind of book uh, that's had more of an impact from one person to the next in terms of, uh, of a recommendation because it's relatable. Um, it's you know, we all have these lingering thoughts about, you know, what we'd really like to do in life and sometimes feel a little bit stuck in where we're at, especially when we have, you know, a, a young family, which I did at the time of, of writing this book, um, and we feel kind of constrained by the structures that we create around us. And and so I think because it's relatable, um, it's had its greatest impact uh, sort of from, from a word of mouth and, and you know, one person you know sharing it with another and and both men and women and all in all ages as well we've got lydia dean joining us today big broadcast coast to coast and border to border on tune in itunes already a loyalty now what elements did you draw upon to develop this book oh just the inspiration that i got from the people and programs that i was meeting around the world so i had um I, i've really been off the beaten track um and been able to discover, um, you know, being upfront with some difficult things to, to, to understand that happen in the world. And, it, and that's an un- uncomfortable thing to, to know that it's happening, but at the same time, be able to really um, be humbled by the work that's happening out there. And so, you know, the more that I saw, uh, and the more I was able to see with my family, too, you know, at my side, um, and the more we, we built um, an organization around being active, engaged participants in, in the world's problems, you know, the more I want to share their stories. So, so really, you know, towards the end of the 14 years of, of writing the book, I just knew that um, these were stories that needed to be told and um, that, that I was in a position to do so. So I might... You know, not have millions myself to, to, to give to these programs, but um, sharing uh, their existence and sharing um, their courage and what they bring, um, what they bring to, to the earth every day is, is important. So that's that's kind of what kept me going. Lydia Dean with us today. She joins us live here in a broadcast. Now, what kind of reactions have been the ending of the book so far? Oh. Um, it seems to re- really resonate with people who are in transitions in life, who are, are questioning sort of making one step and taking another, and it gives them that sort of comfort in taking the leaps of faith that, you know, can be scary in the moment. So it's been really heartwarming. I've, I've really been surprised at um, that it, it's resonated with people that are going to change, and that's, um, that's a nice feeling to know that you're, you're contributing something you know, to, to someone who might be feeling a little bit insecure and um, that, that nudge that, you know, when we take the risks um, that we need to take, um, we can, you know, really discover great things in ourselves. We've got Lydia Dean joining us. She joins us live here in a broadcast. Give us the profile of the typical reader who's going to love your book. <laughs> well, I would say that the, the biggest demographic has been um, sort of 45 to, to, to 70, um, when you're, you're 
really, you know, wondering whether you're seeing that, you know, every moment that we have in life is is, is precious and um, that we need to, to do good things with it. But also knowing that we've created lives around us that make it difficult to sometimes, you know, pursue what could be really important to us or pursue what, what we've got inside that maybe hasn't been lived yet. So I think it does resonate with that, uh, you know, the, the 45 plus where you're kind of ingrained in your life and it's hard, it's hard to leave it. Um, but also, you know, I wrote the book when I was in my mid-20s, um, starting to write the book. And so it also, you know, it, it meets women who, who, who are working and, um, you know, feel as though they have conflicting choices in their life. And that's exactly how I felt at the time. Uh, was just very confused and, and was having a little mini breakdown and didn't, you know, didn't feel secure in my new motherhood or in my working full time. And there was a world to explore and give back to. And I, I, I was just quite lost. So I think it's, um, it's also great for, you know, mothers who are at, in that stage of life. We've got Lydia Dean joining us today. She joins us live here in a broadcast. Now, um, what inspired you to write this book? Well, again, I felt like I was I was on a path that was so uh, untraditional. Um, we, you know, were, were traveling around the world and seeing all of these, um, you know, very, you know, having these important experiences that I knew could, could be a door opener for others who wanted to also engage um, but not know how. So, um, you know, it just, it was just, I, I just knew that this was something that had to be shared. I never considered myself to be an author. Um, as I, as I started, it began, like I said, with, with journal entries, which then later became a blog. And then, um, you know, I could see clearly that it was, it was telling a story and leading uh, and leading to something. So, uh, eventually published. Lydia Dean with us today. She joins us live here in the broadcast. Now, why do you think that this book will appeal to readers? Well, I, I think that in a time um, where we're seeing kind of a lot of turmoil right now and a lot of negativity in the media, it, it shows you that each and every one of us have the ability to, to, to take action and then that action matters. Um, that it's the, the, the small acts that, that, you know, all combined make, you know, make a difference. And, so I think it's, it's uplifting, um, but it also, you know, it also shows you that, it, that there isn't an easy path. You know, if we're searching for that easy, easy way to, to um, you know, to build a life around, you know, what we really want, it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to be smooth. We have to be willing to, you know, face some fears and, and face the unknown, but um, isn't that worth risking? Because I, I think there's something very unique at the end of that. Um, and you know we've got we've got one life, and, and uh, we should you know not not spend it in fear, but but jump in and, and see what we can make um, with our you know with our uniqueness. Fantastic! Well, I appreciate making the time. Uh, website, social media, help me buy the book. Okay, well the book's on Amazon in Kindle and in book format. Actually, it's on Kindle free today, so anybody wanting a free download. Uh, they can find it there on Amazon.com, Jumping the Picket Fence. Um, there's also a website, uh, LydiaDean.com, where you can find information on uh, Go Philanthropic, both uh, if you want to travel or if you want to learn more about uh, some important global issues and how to, how to be involved. 
Um, so those are all, all good sources for, for all of that. Fantastic. Well, have yourself a wonderful day. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Lydia. Appreciate it. There she goes, Lydia Dean. And uh, there we go. Check us out online. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-809-5785. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one -on -one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-809-5785. That's 1-800-809-5785. Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. Welcome back to our big broadcast. It is iHeartRadio. It is AMFM 247.com. TalkShoe.com as well. Alan K. Patch is joining us on the telephone. Alan, how are you, my friend? Very good, Jiggy. Happy to be with you. Now, uh, you have got a fantastic trilogy, a great book series. Uh, tell us a little bit about this book series, my friend. You know, I, I wrote a trilogy, Jiggy, um, and I love history and, uh, and also... Um, how how these events in the past um, sort of influence uh, what's going on now or what may go on in the near future. So this trilogy is about the past, present, and future, and about a couple of professors who, uh, you know, are sort of propelled into the ancient world as training for what's coming in our near future. So it's a time travel thriller, and uh, I would encourage readers to take a look at it. Go to Amazon and look up Passage at Delphi. And Delphi spelled D-E-L-P-H-I, and take a look at the series. Um, there's still time in the summer, Jiggy. You can do some summer reading and, and get into this uh, adventure. Yes, indeed. We have got uh, Alan K. Patch with us today. Now, many are wondering how Jeffrey Epstein could have committed suicide in jail when he was supposed to be under surveillance. This isn't the first time a high-profile prisoner was able to escape justice by checking uh, themselves out. Author A.K. Patch is with us today. He's going to take us back to World War II and discuss the still unsolved suicide of Hitler's Reich uh, Marshal Hermann Goering in 1946. Now, tell us about Hermann Goering, A.K. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, here we have Jeffrey Epstein. You know, he is able to, you know, quotation marks, commit suicide. We don't even know if that's the whole truth. It's sometimes hard to get to the bottom of these things. Now they're talking about broken bones in his neck and different things like this. But here's the case of Hermann Goering, because it's, it's an interesting story. Now, Goering is, you know, he's second in command to Adolf Hitler in, the, in Nazi Germany. And he became famous in World War I, Jiggy, as a fighter ace, a fighter pilot ace. In fact, um, he was he was given command of the Flying Circus, which was Baron von Richthofen's old uh, command. Now we remember him. He was called the Bloody Red Baron. Do you remember the Snoopy cartoon where he's 
he's on his doghouse, uh, you know, flying around shooting against the bloody red baron. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But you know, it kind of it kind of brings you back um, as how the, all history has worked into things. But you know, he met Hitler in 1922, and he kind of agreed with his distorted vision uh, for the future of Germany. Hitler gave him control of a group of thugs called the stormtroopers. Now, where does that? Now, where have we seen that word stormtroopers? It brings you back to Star Wars. Remember, Darth yes, Vader, all his uh, soldiers, they, they wore that white metallic armor, Jiggy, that never stopped the phaser shot, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It is Alan K. Patch. He joins us today here in our broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, and, of course, iHeartRadio today. Uh, talk show as well, AM, FM, 24-7. Now, what happened in 1923 to affect Gehring the rest of his life? Well, you know, he supported Hitler. Um, Hitler had a power grab. Um, it was called the Beer Hall Putz, and that was in Munich in 1923. But uh, Hitler got arrested, but, but uh, Goering got away, and he was wounded in the leg. He became addicted to morphine, Jiggy, and he was addicted to morphine for the rest of his life. Uh, so you have to kind of think about this. The second highest official in Nazi Germany was a morphine addict. And that doesn't become the mention. You know, he, he became heavy and he had wild mood swings. This kind of fits in, and Hitler was also a drug addict. According to his physician who survived him, he had him on crystal meth and oxycodone and cocaine until till he committed suicide. So anyway, he helped Hitler gain power, and he created the Gestapo, which we uh, know uh, from War II, the secret police. But, you know, he, his most important role was commander-in-chief of the Luftwaffe, and um, early successes in the war eventually became failure as the Allies fought back. Uh, you know, he convinced Hitler to hold back the panzer tanks because he promised to destroy the British Expeditionary Force on the beaches of Dunkirk. He couldn't do it and didn't get them to surrender, and they all escaped. And then uh, he thought that he could make British Britain surrender during the Battle of Britain with his Air Force, and that didn't happen either. So he was still Reich Marshal, but his, his influence um, started to decline after that. We've got Alan K. Patch with us today. And uh, he joins us live here on our broadcast. Now, what about uh, when the war ended, Alan? Well, you know, as, as things are falling apart in Berlin, uh, Hitler decides to stay there and eventually commits suicide. Um, but, you know, uh, Goering writes him a letter and says, hey, why don't you pass command of the Reich to me? I'll become Fuhrer. Of course, Hitler uh, took this uh, not well and uh, pretty much kicked him out of the party and, and ordered his arrest. Uh, but shortly thereafter, Hitler committed suicide, and the whole, uh, you know, Nazi war effort fell apart. Um, but he did not want to surrender to the Russians, so he ended up being captured by the Americans. And then he went into prison. We have got a great guest with us today, Alan K. Patch joins us. AKPatchAuthor.com. Check out AKPatchAuthor.com. And for the people in the cheap seats in the back, it's AKPatchAuthor.com. Now, what happened at the end, Alan? <laughs> they kept him. They kept him in jail for a while, Jiggy, and they had to detox him off the morphine first of all, and then they restricted his diet because he was, you know, pretty uh, corpulent by now, and he lost a lot of weight. But he had to go through the Nuremberg trials, and eventually they found him guilty of high crimes, and they sentenced him to hang. But you know, Goering didn't want to hang; he wanted to be shot like a soldier. He thought that was sort of a better, more fitting end for him. And then, Jiggy, two hours before. He was supposed to hang. They found him dead after taking a cyanide capsule. So they find him dead in the cell, and they're like, how the heck did this happen? 
it makes us wonder because now we're wondering what happened with Epstein. How, how was he? How was a high-profile prisoner able to do this? And uh, so it's interesting. Two of the U.S. Prison, uh, Army prison guards that were there said that they helped him somehow, maybe unwittingly. But one said he was approached by one, a young woman who befriended him and got him to bring in a pen with medicine inside, claiming that Gurren was sick and. You know, he needed the medicine. Turned out that was the cyanide. And then afterwards, she disappeared. You know, so that's sort of uh, cloak and dagger stuff. And then another guard said that Goering bribed him with, you know, his watch and maybe some other personal items so he could maybe visit his belongings in storage and, and get that cyanide pill that maybe was, was stuck somewhere and, you know, a bottle of hair cream, I mean, a jar of hair cream or whatever. Anyway, he yes. was able to get that cyanide and commit suicide before he was hung. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show, Jiggy, that, you know, sometimes high-profile prisoners, they can, they can somehow coax guards or influence, you know, the guards are influenced from the outside, or sometimes play in the guards' greed or gullibility. So it's going to be interesting to find out the true story, what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. It's, you know, daily now they're, you know, they're coming up with new things, because, you know, it's, it's, we should know what actually happened there and, and how he was able to, but Goering is still sort of unsolved and he was able to uh, commit suicide and get away with it. Well, uh, we have got a great segment coming up uh, next week with Alan as well. Uh, Alan, before we let you go, uh, how do we get the books and uh, everything else, my friend? Uh, Jiggy, you know what? Um, uh, for those of your audience that are, listed, that are interested, just go right to Amazon Books and punch in Passage at Delphi and they can get the first book, start with that. And uh, there are three books in the, in the series. And uh, just go get that first book, Passage at Delphi. You can get it on Kindle Unlimited. It's free. Um, otherwise, I mean, a Kindle version is like two ninety nine or something like that. So I would just encourage them to take a look at it. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate it, Alan. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Okay, G. thanks. Thank you. There he goes, Alan K. Badge. We are going to uh, take a time out. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life.
If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-835-0176 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get a... Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 